0: It's the Locked On Aggies Podcast, presented by Locked On Podcast Network, talking all things Texas A&M. Now, here's your host, Cole Thompson. Howdy, everybody, and welcome back into another episode of Locked On Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole is still here in the driver's seat, and guys, I know you're probably wondering, what happened last week? What was going on? Well, with it being AM's bye week, no press conferences, no teleconferences, really nothing going on around the sport. I, working with the Houston Astros, Took a little time away from the website. Took a little bit of time away from Locked on Aggies. Took a little bit of time away from you guys as a whole to just kind of regroup and evaluate myself. I recently just got back from vacation. The show is back. The show is going to be better than ever because guess what? We have to talk about the biggest game coming up this week, and that is Texas A&M playing one more Final home game in front of your hometown heroes, in front of everyone in College Station, as they take on the South Carolina Gamecocks. Before we go any further, let's just give a couple quick shoutouts. Make sure you're following us on social media at Locked On You're following me on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson. Follow everything at SI Sports Illustrates, Texas A&M. That's Aggies SI. The Locked On Podcast Network and Aggies SI have paired together to give you more quality content for both written and visual and audio references. So make sure you're following that website as well. That's SI.com slash T-A-M-U. All you got to do is go to SI.com, go to College Football, go down to Teams, click on Texas A&M. You can find all great content featuring all things Texas A&M. Now, this episode is all going to be dedicated to the storylines surrounding South Carolina, surrounding AM, surrounding this game. But before we even go anywhere near that, we have to talk about the brand new college football rankings that were released last night, talking about the top four teams looking for a chance to make it to the college football postseason now let's get this out of the way a&m with their six and three record that's going to be nearly improbable every other team would have to implode for them to be able to make the college football playoff but they could be a stumper for one team because right now they lost to now number five alabama who lost to you guessed it Number one, LSU. Coming in at number two was Ohio State. Coming in at number three was Clemson. And rounding out the top four, another SEC school jumps Alabama, and that is Georgia, who will face the Aggies next weekend in Stanford Stadium. So let's just break this down real fast. AM's final two games could be against two teams inside of now the top four. For the concert ball playoff they could ruin a chance for one of these two teams to represent the sec in the concert ball playoff and they could also be helping out alabama to jump back in the market because if auburn wins this weekend that'll be a second loss for georgia and if AM beats georgia that'll be a third loss for georgia even if georgia was to represent the sec east in atlanta over Florida, which right now they won't, but they would if they had three total losses in the SEC, they probably would not be chosen to represent the conference overall. But also, if AM beats LSU and Alabama wins out, that likely guarantees Alabama a spot in the college football playoff, even if they don't go to the SEC championship. So there's a lot of things that could happen. In these final three weeks surrounding Texas A&M and their chance to play the role of the upset, to play the role of the underdog, the guys who are taking control, the guys who are going to make an impact and make people realize, hey, we're a good enough team. It's also a chance for A&M to struggle and either show that they weren't up to that same level as, say, Georgia, Alabama, LSU, which I do think everyone can agree at this point are the top three teams in the SEC. And it could show that maybe LSU is truly the best team in the conference. We, we're we going to go all into that over the next two weeks. We'll, we'll, we'll literally dedicate a show just talking about the implications uh, sometime on Monday or Tuesday of next week. We'll, we'll break down exactly what we're looking for in those two games and how AM could play the upset role, what could happen if they don't, all the implications, talking about bowl games, talking about where they could possibly end up. But why don't we talk a little bit about South Carolina versus Texas A&M? Once again, the Aggies are opening up as a favorite following their three-game winning streak against Ole Miss, Mississippi State, and UTSA. Coming off of their bye week, they are now 6 and 3, bowl eligible for the 11th time in school history. They are a 10.5 favorite over the Gamecocks who are struggling to stay afloat inside of their own conference with a 6 and 4 record. They recently dropped a 20-15 to loss to Appalachian State, who they paid $900,000 to come to Columbia and play them. $900,000 to lose in front of your home crowd. Don't get me wrong. Appalachian State as a team this year has been phenomenal. They've been ranked at moments. They're back being ranked once again following their win over the Gamecocks. So you can't really argue that they're not a good team. But you never want to get upset by a team. You're paying to come in for you to beat. And that's where it's a little bit of a problem. That's where it's a little bit of maybe why everyone is thinking this could be an easy cakewalk game for AM, But you never know. You really don't. Here's another reason why I think everyone is believing this is going to be a pretty good game for AM to show where they truly stand in the SEC. A&M is 5 0 all time against South Carolina. The two schools have met up and played against each other every year since 2014 in the you know, SEC East single game rivalry with SEC West games. It's South Carolina, Texas AM every single season. They switch off where they go. They're 5 0 all time. Last season, although it looked like AM played extremely well, South Carolina almost came back to win. 26-23 to 23 was the final score. Kellen Mond threw for nearly 350-plus total yards. He only threw one touchdown, though. So, depending on how this South Carolina team presents themselves early, this could be a game... I wouldn't say a trap game would be the right answer, but this could be a game where maybe the streak is broken, maybe it's a little closer than people expected, maybe you take the under in the point spread of 50 overall, maybe you go in favor of South Carolina beating that 10.5 spread, because if you don't really know, and it's not its just because it's the SEC, it's because of South Carolina right now has so much more to play for than I think A&M does. A&M is bowl eligible, they're not going to the college football playoff, but they do have a shot to maybe go to a New Year's Six Bowl if they win out if they win say two of those games 7 and 5 probably Texas Bowl, Liberty Bowl is what we're looking at. And if they go 8 and 4 during those games or even 9 and 3, you're looking at a New Year's Day Bowl. Probably the Citrus Bowl, probably the Outback Bowl, probably the Gator Bowl is in that market. So, South Carolina loses, bowl season over. They have to now play A&M and Clemson in two of their final three games of the season. That's tough. That's a tough ask to ask for, especially the way that this AM team is playing. There's also a ton to look at on South Carolina's offense. There's a few things to look at on AM's defense, some positives coming back, and we're going to discuss all that in just a quick moment. Locked On Aggies presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson still here in the driver's seat talking all things Texas A&M. Getting you ready for this upcoming weekend's game as Texas A&M plays the final home game of the season at Kyle Field against the South Carolina Gamecocks. It's storyline day here, talking about all the storylines coming from South Carolina, talking all about what's going on with the Gamecocks. And one storyline that we haven't really spoken about is... Who are the South Carolina Gamecocks? I, I'm literally asking that question to you guys because there have been moments this year where I've seen South Carolina play, and I've been blown away by, wow, they, they didn't recruit that well. They don't really have a certain game plan on offense. They lost their best receiver last year to the NFL and Debo Samuel. They lost a couple of defensive backs. They lost a couple of linebackers. And they're still making plays. In week three of this season, they faced off against Alabama. And for the first half of the game, South Carolina was in that game. Ryan Helinski played phenomenal. He played better than any freshman quarterback I saw play the entire season that game. For the first half. He was on point. He was beating veteran defensive backs. The team overall was making good plays. I was very impressed with South Carolina. And then you go look at South Carolina again, and you have to remember, Georgia's not undefeated and not guaranteed to go to the college football playoff or even the SEC championship right now because they lost to South Carolina. South Carolina was able to go send the Bulldogs into double overtime. And then, you know, don't get me wrong, they lost because of Rodrigo Rodrigo Blankenship, Georgia's kicker, who has been phenomenal his entire career, and then he misses that chip shot. That's a heartbreaking loss for Georgia. Not saying that Georgia wasn't going to come back and win, but just an amazing win for South Carolina in that sense. And then they lose by 20 to Tennessee, a struggling Tennessee team at the point. Tennessee's now looking like they're back in a rhythm, that they're kind of on track, that they could be potentially a 7-5 and five team when the season's all said and done. They could definitely be a bowl-eligible program this year, even though everyone was kind of writing them off. But South Carolina was the team that was favored, and they lost by 20 to Tennessee. And then this past weekend, they lose very closely to Appalachian State, who was coming off of a loss for, I believe it was Old Dominion. Do you get what I'm saying when I'm talking about what is this South Carolina team and how do you prepare for them? Because there's no way to know what they're going to do. They could get really hot in about five seconds put up maybe 21 points, and then A&M has to come back and fight. I don't think they're like Auburn in the sense, because I definitely think comparing an Auburn who is a winning team and a winning program right now, that'd be kind of an insult. But I will say that they are a lot like Auburn in the sense of when they're hot, they're hot. Maybe like Missouri. You get them going, they're putting up points. They're creating turnovers. They're stopping you on third down. Coach Fisher said at Monday's press conference that I know that they're coming off a tough loss this week, but they're also a team that went into Georgia and won. They're going to come in here guns blazing, ready to play, and we need to come out of this break, these next three games, playing the way we need to play. But we got to start off with this week first. Everyone wants to focus ahead on Georgia and LSU because those are the two games that I think everyone We'll be able to decide what team AM was this year. But you can't sleep on South Carolina in the sense of they have beaten top ranked teams. And also, they kind of can look at a film that they're already going to be looking at later on and seeing where AM made mistakes because AM played Clemson this year. And that's the game every single year South Carolina closes their season out with during rivalry week. It's not going to be a sleeping type of game. You're not going to want to sleep on the South Carolina team. I don't think that the South Carolina team is good, but like I said earlier, they have more to play for. One more loss, they're done. AM's in. AM, they could decide, you know, hey, It's a rebuilding year kind of style. We lost a lot of talent on defense. We lost guys like Daylon Mack, Kingsley Kiki, Travion Williams, Jay Sternberger. But also you can say in one breath, we want to win our final home game. Because we know we have two very competitive games on the road. So this could be a really interesting matchup and a bloodbath coming down to the end. Because both these teams are fighting for something. One's fighting to stay alive. One's fighting for that one more win in front of that home crowd this season to get them ready to go into the road games ahead. Another crazy storyline that nobody's going to probably want to talk about, but it's something that I think everyone should talk about, is the punting battle. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you right now, the punting battle is going to be something to watch for. Because, you know, when I was at college at Alabama, I was there for the first two years, I believe, of J.K. Scott's career. And we all make kind of made fun of JK because of the fact that, oh my god, the punter is one of our best players. He should be our MVP. Well... One of these two punters is probably going home with the Ray Guy award, and that is between A&M's Braden Mann and South Carolina's Joseph Charlton. They're going to square off against each other, and their numbers are pretty dang close when you look at them. Mann ranks first in the nation in punts, averaging 49 yards per kick, while Charlton is only just a few yards behind him, averaging 48.3, fourth nationally. One of these two guys is probably going to help decide the way this game goes, and... When you look at AM and when you look at South Carolina and you look at their defenses and what some of their players have, for me, it's Justin Matabike on Texas AM. For South Carolina, it's Javon Kinlaw. They're both defensive tackles. They're both going to be able to disrupt the run early. Getting that team pinned inside their own 20 is detrimental for a defense. You want your defense to work with as little field as possible. You want them to be able to force turnovers because if you're that close to putting them in the end zone for safety, you want them to be able to feel that pressure and have to dump that ball off and then get third and out. And then when you pin them in their own end zone and you're going to force Braden Mann to punt or you're going to force Charlton to punt, you're going to get good field position at the middle of the field. That's going to be very important is the punting game in this game. Because I do believe that whoever gets that field position has a little bit more of an advantage. I think that they lead them to having a little bit more of a proper step in that right direction. Guys, if you didn't know just yet, Manscaped is the number one product in men's below the belt grooming. So get 20% off and free shipping with our code LOCKEDON at manscaped.com today. Remember, our code is LOCKEDON at manscaped.com and you can get a 20% off and free shipping on your brand new Manscaping product. There's several players on South Carolina who, even though they aren't, I would say, elite in any sense of the word, they're still a pretty good overall prospect and will have the ability to make a name for themselves at the next level. And we're going to discuss them and a huge positive coming AM's way in just a quick moment. Locked On Aggies presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson still here sitting in the driver's seat talking all things Texas A&M. Trying to get you all ready following the storylines coming up this weekend as Texas A&M returns to Kyle Field one final time to face off against the South Carolina Gamecocks before they travel on the road to go face now number 4 ranked Georgia and now number 1 ranked LSU. Guys, one of the biggest storylines that we talked about in the past has been AM secondary taking some massive defensive back blows, mainly due to injuries. One of the bigger ones was against Mississippi State where both cornerback Elijah Blades and defensive back, safety, hybrid, defender, whatever you want to call him, mix of a linebacker, I guess, too. Damani Richardson both would leave with injuries, would not return. They would not play last week against UTSA. According to Coach Fisher, bearing any setbacks this week both are expected not just to play but also start for Mike Elko's defense. That is the biggest win for AM's defense that they could have all season. Now, while I do think that you could probably beat South Carolina with both without both of them. I think having both of them back in the lineup is so huge getting them ready to get back in the conference play, especially both of them being talents that don't know SEC defenses That well just yet remember blades is a junior, but he's also a juco transfer and richardson is a freshman Getting them ready for a team like georgia or a team like lsu in a game against a team like south carolina who has one of the better targets in the SEC, Is going to be major detrimental to the team's success moving down the line that one receiver that could actually be a mismatch for the aggie secondary is Brian Edwards. Not many people know that name, probably because they were too busy last year watching his friend numero uno Debo Samuel tear up the field and make a name for himself. He was drafted in the second round by the San Francisco 49ers thanks to his success, but it's hard to contain this guy. This is a player who, when you look at on paper, has everything you want in that flanker, I mean that split end type of wide receiver six foot three 215 pounds he is a physical guy do you think kendrick rogers think brian edwards that is the best way to put it when you're looking at comparing one receiver from that team to a receiver from this team Last week against Appalachian State, Edwards solidified himself as being one of the top receivers all-time in Gamecock history as he passed Alshon Jeffrey to become the school's all-time leading receiver. Coach Fisher brought this up during his press conference on Monday. You're talking about the leading receiver in school history at South Carolina, and they've had some damn good guys up there too. He's big, he's long, he's physical, can catch the ball underneath and turn up with it, can catch the ball over the top. Can jump ball it. He's a punt return guy. Yards after catch. Physicals to block. He's going to be a great pro. This guy's going to be a great pro. You're going to have to double team Brian Edwards. Which now means that everyone in the secondary has to now step up to another level. Because if you're probably going to have Keldrick Carper playing over the top on him. Because he's the faster of the two safeties I believe. And you're going to have whoever is playing that nickel formation or Probably even uh, Debonay Renfro or even maybe Elijah Blades for a majority of the game is going to be covering him on the outside. He is the guy that they're going to go to every single step of the way. They're going to try and find ways to make him a factor in this passing game. They want him to be an exclusive part of the plan ahead. I truly believe that. So you're now going to have to rely on your linebackers, such as Buddy Johnson, such as Anthony Hines, having to step up and cover what would have been probably your nickelback's formation across the slot in a zone coverage, maybe the running back out of the backfield on a swing route. That's now taking priority because if you want to take that priority, you're going to have to double team their top target. Imagine how teams prepare for DeAndre Hopkins. They put a safety over the top, they'll play in a nickel or a dime formation, they'll play six defensive back, five defensive back set, and one of them's jobs is automatically, I'm on number 10. It doesn't matter where he goes on the field, I'm on him. Kind of same way you got to look at Brian Edwards. He's on the field, you're probably going to want to double team him, you're probably going to want to make sure that he is the target, that you're blocking, you're going to want to make sure that he's the guy that does not get a chance to break up downfield and put up points. Because Ryan Holinsky, at times, for a freshman at least, let's go with that, for a freshman, has shown the most improvement of SEC quarterbacks. He could be a guy a few years down the line we're talking about being the reason why South Carolina maybe is ranked, maybe the reason South Carolina is competing with Georgia and Florida. He's looked the part when healthy on the field. Over 2,000 passing yards, 11 touchdowns on the year. He's going to be targeting Edwards a ton in this game. Another guy to look for in this game, Javon Kinlaw. This is a disruptor up the middle. And when you look at this AM run game and the success that they've had between Isaiah Spiller coming back, the little bit of Jacob Cabote, you sprinkle in some Cordarian Richardson. If Kinlaw can break through that offensive line, and the problem is Kenyon Green, true freshman, is going to be dealing with him a ton up the middle, that could be havoc for AM. The good news is, is that Kellen Mond has shined at home. And this game isn't in South Carolina. If this game was in South Carolina, that could definitely be a major oh my goodness kind of moment. But this game is in College Station. So you don't have to worry that much about what Kellen Mond can do. But you want to be a balanced offense. You don't want to have to rely so much on Mond's arm to continue pushing the team down the field and making those top plays for them to win if they can contain kinlaw who i've spoken to several scouts several people that i'm very close with they have all agreed that if kinlaw is not a top 25 pick in this upcoming nfl draft he's a top pick in the second round so a lot of people are going to be watching this guy and the way a&m's run offense has looked at times this season a guy like kinlaw is going to have a field day So you got to be ready and be contained for him. That's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Aggies. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for being patient with me while I was gone, but we will be back here tomorrow. But you know what? Just until then, make sure you're following us on all of our social media platforms. That's at Locked on Aggies. That's at Mr. Cole Thompson. That's at Aggies SI. Check out all of our great written content at Sports Illustrated's Aggie Maven. Very simple. It's just SI.com slash T-A-M-U or go to SI.com College Football. Click on the team link. Go down to Texas A&M and check out all of our great work. And if you love podcasting and you love having these long car rides and love listening to me and love listening to some of my friends who also do this for a professional living, who get to make our dreams a reality, make sure you're listening to every single podcast on the LockedOnPodcast.com network. Guys, we will be back here tomorrow talking more about Texas A&M and South Carolina. Don't miss next episode. And until then, him y'all. This has been Locked On Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network.